Okay. Welcome to the Broken Vermont podcast. This is Erin and Jen. Jen and Erin. Okay, so we promised that we were going to talk about the prison industry in Vermont. And we always fulfill our promises. (laughs) We do. So that is what we are going to be talking about today. Uh, We will be sharing facts and then also just talking about things that we feel like should change because they're broke. So, Jen, do you want to start this or do you want me to start this? Let me start by saying neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except (laughs) as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. That's the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Abolishing slavery except punishment. Meaning, a.k.a. our prison systems is slavery today. (sighs) I was up. So, okay. Well, let's start by a little bit of background on you because this is actually, uh, Aaron has studied this for many, many years, has a master's of restorative justice um, has been working with prisoners, working with people writing policy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Me, <laughs> I didn't do any of that. But this topic, I will say, is the th- probably the number one topic that will make me stay up all night researching and like laughing to myself like a crazy person <laughs> because of all the crazy broken things that you can find if you do a little bit of research. So um, a lot of people use this phrase restorative justice now. Um, Can you break down a little bit about what that is and what that isn't? Mm. So it's supposed to kind of replace this punishment idea of Yes, someone may have committed harm. And restorative justice isn't just for like criminal justice. So, and I think people often think that it just goes towards like prisons and like that's not it. Um, People use restorative justice in like workplace environments, home. Um, So, it's just a way of like an open dialogue. A lot of people say, you know, they, say restorative justice goes hand in hand with like the circle process. And if you don't know what that is, it's literally like a circle. Um, it's like a little kumbaya moment. Think of AAA, but a circle. Um, and so you're kind of like, this is what I did. And this is how I kind of want to repair that harm. So that's kind of like the basis of restorative justice is like finding ways to repair harm. Hmm. A lot of people don't think restorative justice is the way most people think is transformative justice, which I agree on that Um, because then that's actually like transforming, you know, that environment where you come from the prison system, Um, like just going into a prison system and giving quote unquote resources. That's not going to make a person change when they get out, especially when you strip them of everything. Um, And that's what happened. So I do have a problem with like the saying Department of Corrections because nothing is corrected in their behavior. It actually makes them worse. Um, You strip them of their family, um, communication, and that communication piece I'm definitely going to go into. Um, And you just strip them of everything that you take them out of an environment and you put them in a new environment and they learn nothing of how the outside world is. Um, And you think that that is supposed to help a person change. And I don't know how a person is going to change when they're looking at white walls all day long Mm -hmm. and they may go outside for an hour. Um, Maybe Um, like I know in Grafton, it depends on what you've done. You don't go outside at all. Grafton, New Hampshire. Yeah. Which is that a federal prison? That's a jail. It's a jail, but it, the federal government basically helped them build that jail. So it looks like a federal prison. And so restorative justice or transformative justice isn't simply abolishing prisons. No, because it's supposed to be used to decrease recidivism. Um, But 
like Vermont's recidivism is like 46%. So, <laughs> yikes. Um, and if you compare that to other countries, so Vermont is a state, as we all know, but like if you compare that to Denmark, that entire country is at a 27% recidivism rate. And that means the number of people who go, go back. back to jail. Yeah. So, prison. yeah. And, you know, Vermont doesn't have jail. So you all go, you go to the prison. So there's like what? no, yeah, there's. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's all in the same place. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you're in there with all types of people. Um, mm. But, yeah, we don't have a very. um. Our prison is based on punishment, 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 and instead of like actual rehabilitation, and then that's the problem. Mm. So. so one of the ways that prisons kind of market themselves is saying that they actually are rehabilitating people when they give them jobs. L O L. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a lot of people think that only the only problem is the private prison industry and that all the money is being made out of private prisons. That's not true. Um, the public, you know, government funded prisons are making an incredible amount of products, um, their prisoners, and their prisoners are being paid. 23 cents to a dollar 15 an hour is the, yeah per hour but in some jobs you can only make a max of two dollars a day <laughs> <laughs> and then that money is then taxed and not only is that taxed it's also there's like mandates for and this actually just happened in the biden administration like in 2022 where they upped the mandate that up to that a minimum of 75% of what they make goes to pay their restitution and like all their court fees, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Not just what they make, but also what um, is in their like commissary, like anything their, their family gives them is 75% of that is taken to pay, you know, whatever kind of fees. And yeah. I read that the reason they did that was like for people who have a lot of money who go to jail, they have like, they can have like $3 million in their commissary, like in their accounts that they have access to. And yet some, some of them aren't paying their, you know, fees. So they implemented this rule that across the board, everybody has to pay 75% of every like penny that they have access to has to go to paying their fees while they're in prison. Yeah. So, I'm going to, this is coming from the Vermont Correctional Industries Comprehensive Offender Pay Scale. So grades one is 25 cents. Grades two, steps two is 35 cents, 45 cents, and 55 cents. So, Yeah. Most people cannot make more than a dollar and twenty five cents per day. So that I mean, and that's slavery. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, and the problem I have with that is if we really want to break it down. So I think the biggest problem I have is people say incarcerated folks don't pay taxes. Mm. That drives me up like a million and 18 different walls because, oh, they do. Mm. Because, and I'm going to tell you how much the state of Vermont spends on Global Tel Link Corporation. So if you don't know what that is, that is the phone service. They're listed on there three times. Three. Okay. And two of them you can't even see, so they don't even have the amount on here. But one, it's $125,000. So that is how much the state pays Global Tell Link. 
But then incarcerated people, they have to pay (laughs) to use a phone. Mm. And if let's say they want to listen to music, it's 49 cents for one day to listen to the FM radio. If they want to do a news feed, it's 99 cents for one day. 30 days is $10. If they want to download a game, it's $2.49. An ebook is $1.49. To stream music for only seven days, it is $7.99. If they want to stream music for 30 days, it's $24.99. That is more than I pay for Apple Music every single month. That is more than I pay for Spotify because I get the free version of Spotify. Then let's talk about messages. And mind you, this says taxes are not included. So once at the end, they have to pay taxes when they, once they do all of this. So it includes a tax. To send one message is 25 cents per message sent. In Vermont. Yeah. In Vermont, 25 cents per message. So if you message your family member, they pay 25 cents and then you pay 25 cents. But Vermont is also paying Global Telnet link. 125,000 and I don't even know how much they're paying them for the other two because mm-hmm. it's just blank. Um, and then if they want a video visit, it's $2.50 for 10 minutes and it is $6.25 for 25 minutes. So yeah, that that's the biggest problem I have is because family is like one of the most important things we know. And when it comes to being incarcerated and a lot of them cannot afford to talk to their families. Uh, I text people all the time. I call people all the time. I pay like a hundred dollars a month to Verizon. They, if they were to do this every single day, they would be like paying like three to $400 a month to a private company that Vermont is already paying for. It's just a middleman. Basically, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not even done. So collect calls, <laughs> a local call per minute, 39 cents. Mm-hmm. If you do a in-state long distance. You have to work for like two hours to talk for one minute on the phone. That's but what you're saying. That's, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then you get a prepaid collect calling. Okay. So it's the same thing, 39 cents for per minute. Um, if you're doing in-state long distance, it's 69 cents. Um, and if you're doing out-of-state, it's also 69. But the craziest thing is if you're doing international, it's 63 cents. Hmm. And we know it doesn't cost, like, that much. <laughs> Why? Why? Why are they doing this? And then you have to do everything through Access Secure Pack, and then you actually do pay a tax at the end of that. So what's that? That's like they're recording you, basically, or they're like yeah, that's yeah. Oh, it's like if I could find like how much toothpaste is. I think I did one time. Like I went down a rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there are so many holes to jump down. It's a deep dark hole (laughs) that I literally was like, I gotta get out of this hole. Look, I had to get out. But yeah, so the thing is. Vermont's prison system is the furthest thing from restorative justice that I know. Yikes. Um, It's just this thing that we like to say because it makes us sound good. But if we really wanted to do restorative justice, we would be implementing more programs. We would make sure family is involved. Uh, we would be helping with employment, like in Denmark, it depends on, um, your offense, obviously, but your last two years, I think you get to leave the prison and go work in the community. And then you like come back and then they actually put you in like an apartment. Your family can like stay with you in prison in Denmark. I don't know if people know that or not. They do not separate the family because they realize separating the family is what causes people to return back to prison. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of restorative justice centers in the state, which are doing amazing jobs. So I don't want to. But the actual prison, prison itself. Did you know one in 28? children have an incarcerated parent 
mm-hmm. in the United States. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's nothing sadder than thinking about like a mom who's separated from her kids for me because I'm a mom. Separating dads is also very, very sad. I mean, it is some prisons and jails. Women have actually given birth in prison and their baby was stripped away from them at that that moment. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, tragic. It's not a. Yeah. And when you think about Vermont is we all know it's a very, very white state. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's like what? 1.3 or 1.5. Let me get the exact number. Of how many black people will, uh, I think it's like 1.5 or something. And there's like 9% of black people incarcerated in Vermont. So like all the black people are in jail. So you're saying that 9% of the prison population in Vermont is black. And only like 1% of the population of Vermont is black. (laughs) Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's when we talk about disproportionate. And we also, we have people in like Mississippi that committed a crime in Vermont and they're in the Mississippi prison system right now. Meaning that we have definitely stripped them from their family and environment that they know um, and just kind of left them there. So they're like from Vermont and we shipped them down to Mississippi? Yeah, because we have, yeah, yeah, we, we, we do that. Mm-hmm. So they're like nowhere near their family. They can't have visitors. I mean, it's. I'm pretty sure it's not easy getting to Tutwiler, Mississippi, at the Tallahatchie County Prison no. from Vermont. Right. So if we actually cared about them as humans that we needed to like correct and restore, uh, that we'd probably keep them near their family. I would think. I mean, we could at least like give them a chance of becoming whole again Uh, I mean we could we could but that seems too much like right (laughs) so we don't Um, yeah so as of last year there was 754 people sentenced 68 were sentenced and detained for other crimes 31 um, are being held for the U.S. Marshals in other states and four sentenced and detained what they hold for a U.S. Marshal in other states. People? Yeah, people. Yeah. Um, day one, when a person goes to prison, that's when the rehabilitation process is supposed to start. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't happen at all, really. Not everyone in jail, prison has a job. They can't all get jobs. It also depends on what you what crime you committed because then they don't want you working, you know. They don't want to correct your behaviors and they don't want you to have a work ethic so when you get out, you don't know how to do anything and then you go right back and then they just continue to make money off of you. And then that's how the cycle goes. It's, it's the new slavery. Toilets, sinks, mattresses, bull whips, Starbucks, Packaging, Microsoft mouses, binders, diploma covers, dorm furniture, lockers, desks, library book carts, uh, locker room benches, juice boxes, shoes, helmets, vests, missiles, guns, belts, handcuffs, Police officer uniforms, McDonald's uniforms. Keep going. What 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 do all these things have in common? <laughs> Listener, what do you think? Free pre labor. Pretty darn free. And the thing is what bothers me the most is we really think that they don't deserve rights. Because they're in prison. Mm. And then they wonder why when they leave and they come back to a society who has treated them less than, like, why they return. They have, like, oh, you went to prison. You're a terrible person. 
we're going to shun you from housing, a job. Oh, you can't afford your fines. We're going to send you right back. Because uh, honestly, as we all know, when slavery was a thing, prison systems were not. But actually, more black women were in prisons during slavery than black men. And then when slavery, quote unquote, ended, that's when the shift happened of more like black men in prisons. And then now, as we all know, prison is a way to just continue to do harm on people over poverty. Like we're now punishing people for being poor. And like... We used to have debtor's prison, and they got rid of that. I wonder when that happened. So, like, the 13th Amendment that abolished slavery was signed in 1865, (laughs) first of all. (laughs) Second of all, the law that allowed for the creation of the federal prison industries— the federal prison industries, otherwise known as Unicor, is a wholly owned government corporation. Now, you know, I had to look that up. I'm like, what is a wholly owned government corporation? It is just a company that was established by Congress in 1934. So 1865 to 1934, they pretty quickly realized they needed somehow to keep the slavery industry going <laughs> in a few years 60 years later they yeah. were like nah well we you tried. know there's going to be like some jobs in vermont like prison jobs that won't exist anymore it's like so this unicor is really fascinating because oh don't get me started <laughs> because it's a corporation that's owned by the u.s government it is run, it touts itself as being run by zero tax dollars. It, it says Unicor receives zero taxpayer dollars to for its operations. Unicor is self-sustaining. When you look up Unicor, <laughs> when you look up Unicor, their website, Don't you know, you it. really got to read between the lines. And what's hilarious, I, <laughs> I, you know, I was on Wikipedia as well to see what they say. And there's a warning on Wikipedia that the language contained in the in these articles uh, read like an advertisement. <laughs> it's like it's like do deeper research. <laughs> That's the whole point because like people really think. So I'm so I don't want people to think like if you do something horrible, like if you go out and you like murder someone, I'm not yeah. saying you should not go to prison. Like I, I want to make that very very clear. Like, I do believe in, like, some form of punishment. Like, I do. But then I also don't think that this form of punishment that we are doing, obviously it's not working. It, yeah. It's it's not. Like, it, it has never worked. But it actually is working because that's the whole point, point of, like, this. Like, I don't think that this country would be able to sustain itself without prisons, period. They make too much, like everything they make is free. Like it's free labor. And then they get to tax it. Like you do, when people do, what is it? Um, When they work and they're in prison or whatever, they get to leave and they go. Like they're making nothing. So those are technically state jobs that people could have on the outside of prison and have to make at least minimum wage. But if you hire someone that's incarcerated, you can pay them nothing, or you can pay them like $3 for the day and look how much that state has saved by not hiring a community member, but they hired right. someone in prison. Right. And they have, they do have these laws. Like, so with Unicor, there are certain times where, like, if a government agency is trying to buy something, they kind of have to go through this Unicor federal prison industries to purchase whatever it is, their desks, their chairs, their plaques, like their awards that they give each other, um, their cups. Like now there are laws to, um, I mean, they seem pretty weak. I was reading a bunch of the policies, but it's like, you know, you do have to do some type of quote research. Like if you work for the government and you want to purchase something, you have to kind of show that you did a little bit of due diligence to mm-hmm. see that you can't get it for cheaper on the 
open market, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously, you're going to get it cheaper from the company that uses slave labor. So um, I don't know how often that happens, but there are laws to kind of like protect, quote, small businesses. Um, however, I, like this is the thing I, I'm trying to wrap my head around because first, just just some facts from Unicor's website. They kind of, they're boasting 8% of prisoners are participants in this workforce program. They said they have 25,000 people on the waiting list. 23 cents to $115 per hour, typical hourly pay. 14% more likely to gain and maintain employment. 24% less likely to recidivate. <laughs> That's not great. You want to do some trivia? Yes. Please. What entity generates over $74 billion a year and is funded by both the U.S. government and American taxpayers? The prisons? Ding, ding, ding. You said that right. The American prison system. $74 billion a year. In profit? Is what we used to fund, yeah. Oh, what they get from us. Well, eleven billion dollars a year of goods and services sold. <laughs> now that's the thing right there, because yeah. eleven billion. Meanwhile, yeah, four percent of the of every dollar goes goes to the incarcerated individual, the inmates. Yeah, 18% of every dollar is used to, quote, cover programs, operational expenses, including the salaries of the civil service staff who train and, like, oversee them. And then let's... 78% goes into the private sector, which is the sales revenue spent on buying the raw materials, supplies, services, and equipment. Now, that might sound... Like, I guess that's supposed to sound good. It okay. is supposed to. Um, yeah, like, and then not only that, it's just, so Vermont is a small state, very, so we're not going to compare, like, you know, we're not comparing to these bigger states, but the amount of money, I'm not even going to read all of these contracts, but one, the offender management system, right? $6,900,845 is what we spend on the management system. What is that? It's the public safety system. That uh -huh. is the vendor mm -hmm. to do a fender management system. So my issues, is we spend millions of dollars on the prison system yeah. every year. Mm -hmm. And that money we could actually invest right back into these environments that people are coming from that are committing the crime. So if we really want to stop crime from happening, obviously everyone, like there's going to be a bad apple. No one's going to be perfect. People are going to make mistakes. But if we really give a damn, we would say, do we really need to spend $6 million on a management system? Do we really need to pay global tell link to use like for their phone and commissary? And can we just, I don't know, invest that back into the neighborhood that we see? Mm -hmm. I mean, that to me sounds like it would kind of fix a lot of things. Because if you look at where most people come, like, you know, in prison, they come from it's environmental injustice, it's education, it's the there's no businesses in that area. It's a pattern. Most people that are in prison, they're coming from, like, regardless, across all 50 states, it's the same type of environment. And we find money mm -hmm. to pay another contractor to manage a prison system $6 million. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When we could just be like, that town right there, they... Mm. They did say they needed about $100,000 to fix something. And <laughs> we do know that we're putting plastic in their water. Right. And they that's why they're all, you know, a little cray-cray in the head. But, you know, we're not going to do that. Instead, we're just going to continue this cycle so we get free labor. Yeah. 
Did you know the New York DMV call centers are run by prisoners? I did. I you did. ever get a grumpy call center? <laughs> Be nice to those people, man. A lot of them actually, like, people really don't realize, like, how much, inc- like, the incarcerated individuals in this country, they are, are probably our backbone, and we don't even yeah. realize that. Yeah. Like, they are doing some hard, like, in Alabama, most of them are, like, that's where all the state takes their cars, and so the inmates yes. mm-hmm. fix their cars yeah. for them. Yeah, all the fleet, like, the federal fleet gets fixed by prisoners. Like, Put put a little bit more respect yeah. on them and be kind to them. Uh, Arizona's largest egg producer is a- Hickman's Family Farms. They ironically boast their ethically responsible cage-free eggs. And meanwhile, humans in cages. <laughs> well, at least our chickens are running free. Yeah. At least they have free range. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Run by prisoners. But inmate 4567 is probably someone with a gun towering over them that entire time, making sure that they even pick up an egg properly. Mm. Yeah. Slavery. I mean, this country was like built on slavery you gotta just in genocide, you just gotta call it for what it is. Like Like, we don't be afraid of it. Especially if you're free right now. I mean, like, they slaughtered all the indigenous people just about and then brought Africans and chained them, whipped them, killed them, raped them, and said, oh, this is terrible. Let's create this 13th Amendment, but make sure we have that little clause in there so we can still make sure that we harm them every single chance we can get. It's crazy because I was reading the 1934 law that allowed the president to Roosevelt to develop Unicor or the federal prison industries. And the next line in the law, like I was like, oh, man, this is so crazy, like really interesting. And then it's like section two, um, the like deputy of war is now going to sell like all of the San Diego Pueblos to the United States government for $50. (laughs) Like they were wild. And I don't like what I don't think people quite understand is like, okay, so we have private and public prisons. Okay. So what I don't think like it drives me up a wall that people aren't like outside, like really just angry Mm -hmm. that the fact that the government pays private prisons per inmate per day. So up like some of them are charging $150 per inmate per day. Wow. And then they're making all of this stuff. So it's like, why are like, you know how much money we're spending on incarceration mm-hmm. when we could actually just use that money to like, you can wipe my student loans, honestly. The amount of money we're spending on incarceration, student loans shouldn't exist. I mean, according to Unicor, uh, the annual cost to house an offender is $29,000. When inmates do not reoffend, these cost savings are passed on to the taxpayers. <laughs> so they don't want them to reoffend, allegedly. Um, they don't, but they do because then they're like, okay. If we have all of these nice citizens just, you know, working, making, you know, decent wages, we can't we can't do 25 cents an hour. So I tried to get their financial report. Oh, you're not going. Did you find it? Was it was all the way at the bottom of the page. Always. I don't, don't. There was a link that was like, we get audited every year. The link to our audit is here. And I clicked it and it was like a 404. Cannot find this link. <laughs> I was like... T- they don't because they don't want you to <laughs> to find the link because no. if you do then okay they know so this is the thing I'm trying to wrap my head around go for it they say that they operate at zero cost to the taxpayers this this wholly owned government corporation mm-hmm. one of the thing one of the quote services they provide is subcontracting services. 
And we just talked about contracts and subcontracts last time. So here's an example. 50% of what Unicor does is for DOD, Department of Defense. So making like military weapons, military uniforms, all that stuff. There was a lawsuit alleging that this contractor to the Department of Defense, Armor Source, they subcontracted Unicor or FPI <laughs> to produce 126,000 helmets for the Army and the Marines. They received $30 million. Th this private contractor received $30 million. The prisoners were making the helmets. And it turned out because of two female whistleblowers who had gone to their boss. Shout out to the whistleblowers every time. <laughs> they had gone to their boss, Melissa and Sharon. Um, they filed complaints uh, alleging that like the, the helmets were being, they were using the wrong plastic. They were using the wrong paint. They were like, like hammering stuff together to like mush it all together. The helmets were trash. And then they, they proved it like by like, you know, blowing them up and they, like, you know, they didn't work. So, um, they, but they were fully shipping them off. They, it wasn't just, they were making bad products. FPI, this Unicor, this wholly owned government corporation, they were, they alleged that they did inspections on the helmets and they did not, they, they did inspections via fax machine. Tell me how you do that. They, they received... 20, this, this federal contractor who subcontracted the prisoners. So like the contractor got the money and then they were like, Hey, prisoners do the work. The contractor got $20 million out of the $30 million contract. And they turned around because of this lawsuit and were fined 3 million. They had a $3 million settlement. You want to know what's worse in the state of Vermont? Some people aren't released because of lack of housing, so they stay in jail. They stay in prison. They stay in prison because oh, of lack God. of housing. So they have to, like, have a house lined up before they leave prison that the state approves. Who can find a house in Vermont right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so lack of housing is a, is a reason that, that you can be housed past your release date. That is crazy. And 15.4% are currently in there for a lack of housing. What? Yeah. Yeah. This report was July 31st, uh, 2022. 13% were BIPOC. What? That's an insane high number. Yeah. So that's the thing here. That that's a, and a lot of people don't want to house incarcerated people because of their background. So then you also have that problem. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. So you just stay in just prison, locked up, chilling because you can't leave. And the thing is. People who stay past their minimum release date when they are released, they have the highest amount of returning back to prison. Mm. So they return back to prison at a higher rate than people who leave when they're supposed to leave. Yeah, it must like crush you. Because you're thinking you're about to go home. Yeah, it's just like. And they're like, gotcha. We don't like where you're going. So you are going to stay here. And they yeah. do. So you can't visit past two hours. You can't exceed a two-hour visit mm -hmm. per week. So, so made in America, obviously. Mostly means made at a prison. And, and there was a lawsuit, too, about these prisoners in I think they were in Texas or California and they complained because they were literally taking tags off of underwear like Victoria's Secret underwear that said made in Honduras and replacing them with made in the USA and they you know tried to be whistleblowers and they were locked in solitary 
So it's like products coming from overseas are going to the prisons, getting kind of pieced together, like our jeans and stuff like that. Like they sew them together, slap a made in the USA label on it and ship them to your mall. You know, and if it's bad here, we know it's bad across the world. But you have studied and like traveled to other countries. To Man, live. Denmark's yeah. prison system, hands down, probably. I, I'm just how I'm going to compare. I'm going to compare it to like an Ivy League school. That's oh, Denmark. God. Denmark is an Ivy League. Like just the the aesthetics of it mm-hmm. versus like a community college would be Vermont. Hmm. Like they have like. Like you can actually cook your own food. Like you can have gatherings and you can use knives in there. Actually, they have like. Oh, you don't have to use paper. Like spoons. you can have like knives. They have a color room. So walls aren't all like just white and gray. There's color there. Uh, your family can visit as long as it's approved. So if they want to come every single day, they can come every single day if they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, their biggest thing is they do not believe in separating family and the incarcerated individual. They do everything they can, even during like COVID. Um, and it was hard, but they made sure if you had young children that there was things set up so young children can still see their parents um, and not just be like, why and can't like I go see touch mom? their parents? And yeah, like their parents. people do homework. I met a guy, mm-hmm. he does homework with his kid. So his kid comes uh, three days a week and they actually do homework together. Yeah. Um, and like I said, their recidivism in, in an entire country of Denmark is lower than Vermont, which is a state. Um, and so do, do they have their problems? Obviously, yes, no prison system is perfect, but, you know, 5.8 million people live in Denmark. Mm-hmm. 600 some thousand live in Vermont. That's what I just <laughs> looked up. Mm. Uh, yes, those are accurate numbers. Confirmed. <laughs> yeah, you know, and they do. They have closed prisons, which, uh, so a closed prison is like, there's like those locked doors, but they're not like a locked door to where you can't just walk out. They just... It's just a little bit more protected. Um, it really depends on what you did. So, you know, if you murder a lot of people, you have to go to a close. But then they move you to an open prison. So the goal is, like, no, like, prison should be, like, closed. Like, you should be there closed the entire time. So open prison is for, like, anybody that's serving less than five years. They automatically go to an open prison unless it depends on their offense. Um, and so... You know, it's it was really different when I like saw the family engagement piece because I didn't think that that was like a real thing, like actually being say like we we prioritize family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's apartments like they actually have like houses on like prison guards that don't look like you're on a prison and you get to move freely mm-hmm. around. They also help with transportation, so you can fill out a form if you don't have transportation to get to see your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they help pay for your transportation, so you can make sure you see your family. Mm-hmm. Some of them they have phones. Some of them have phones in their their room, so it's a little phone on the wall, so you can just hi. Yeah, they actually, if you are in an open prison and you've been there for at least thirty days. You can ask for permission to actually do like your family visits off prison sites. So you can like go eat and stuff like that. And they really haven't had problems with people never like returning. So people actually do come back. Um, So I thought that was an amazing thing that they actually do help with transportation because I hear a lot of the reasons why some folks haven't seen their families because their family can't afford to like drive an hour. And like, I haven't seen like any prison in really this country that places like the individual near their family. When I was in Alabama, like people from the South were coming, like they would be in prisons in the North. So they would be anywhere from three to six hours away from their family People from the north would go down to the south, so that way they t- strip that entire family dynamic away from you. Mm-hmm. Um, but here is like, we can offer you some type of financial support to help cover transportation cost. Mm-hmm. So yeah, instead um, of 
we're going to charge you 20 times what it costs <laughs> to yeah. and, talk to your family for a minute. And then if like you're in an exclusion prison in Denmark, your family can come really anytime after 2.30 p.m. as long as it's approved. So we can come every day after 2.30. It just really feels like, it just really feels like our, this system that we have in our government cares more about the profit of private corporations and the few over the good of humanity. And that to me seems like a broken thing. Yeah. I think if Vermont were to focus more on restorative justice while people were actually incarcerated, instead of focusing on once they leave, Mm -hmm. we would see a better outcome. Mm -hmm. You can't focus on restorative justice once they leave. Yeah. Like, cause what did they learn while they were in there? Like if you're in prison for more than like 30 days, your mind is already altered. Like an animal. Yeah. So imagine being in there for one year and most people are in there for longer than a year. Like, and then we just explain, hey, now, now you do some restorative justice. And they're like, why, why didn't I do this yeah, while like I was inside? Me. Yeah. Like, now I have to be rebuilt. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I thought you were supposed to help correct my behavior, not like reset me to like a monster mm-hmm. and then expect me to just be this civil person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like on the outside, make me jump through all these hoops like daily. We expect more out of incarcerated individuals than we do anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I have no idea why. Cause we yeah. think that they went to prison, they learned their lesson and they should be <laughs> like a model citizen. Mm-hmm. That is the furthest thing from the truth. Right. That we s- put them in prison. We threw away the key and we said, figure it out as a dog eat dog world. Um, we have to like feed you obviously. And we have to clothe you, but your medical treatment, you may get it. Mm. You might. And we do, we spend more money on incarceration than just helping people. Some people are incarcerated because, you know, I know a woman that she doesn't have her kids because she can afford heat. So her kids got taken away and she went to prison. They could have just literally just mm-hmm. pay for her heat. We wouldn't be here. You know, now she has a record. So what about outbidding these telephone companies on their government contracts? <laughs> See, can, we, can I, we just buy like a Verizon plan? and <laughs> It would be the cheapest or even on the like... <laughs> EC fiber, they need competition. Like because EC, this is like it would be bought and paid. It for. would be cheaper to have literally Wi-Fi internet. How is this not a monopoly? Too like this is it's just the so fact that we like the amount cool. of goods and services. I think that's what people are failing to realize: the goods yeah. and services that incarcerated people are, are making, providing, and yet it's turned around and sold back to them at like a hundred times. Ramen is like. Two dollars for a pack of ramen. How much you want to bet they package ramen in the American prison? Does it say made in America? I mean, toothpaste, Colgate, you can get it at the Dollar Tree for a dollar twenty five. It's like five dollars. Right. Why? Those Hanes great to answer this. Why? How are they getting and people don't realize that is them paying taxes. Yeah. They are paying literally triple, quadruple Mm -hmm. the amount that we pay. That is them paying taxes. And so, and so now under the Biden administration, sorry, Biden, they don't even, if they, if their family, if they need toothpaste and their family sends them five bucks, 75% of that's going to get taken off the top. And then we're already paying another contractor for this stuff. Right. So they're paying for things twice. And and that's what I mean with this whole like 0% of this comes out of taxpayers' dollars. And like it comes out of like the prisoners, they're taxpayers. And I do pay taxes that go to the prison system. I know I do because obviously our money's paying for the Department of Defense contracts. Don't. Not today. Not today. (laughs) Not today. In closing. (laughs) Not today. That can be a whole nother one because snow crabs and Viagra. Yeah. Just bombs. No, thank you. Cut it out. Mm-hmm. Peace on earth. It's been broken Vermont. Y'all are literally, y'all don't even want to know how much that we spent on like Viagra, the DOD. <sighs> For $41.6 million. 
And then they spent <laughs> like 2.3 on king crabs. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so um people really should keep up with where their tax money Yeah, what can people do? Like look at where your tax money is going. Like yeah. it, it it's on the state websites. Like really look up the amount of money because you got to realize spending like 41.6 million dollars on like Viagra, like how much money that could go in into infrastructure to rebuilding communities. Yeah. And I don't know, call right to your legislators and tell them that it's not ethical to charge prisoners and to give all this money to this intermediary intermediary middleman telephone company who's just using the same wires and satellites that we are. It's not fair. Why? So money. So money grab. Somebody say something to someone about this. Call your local. And pray for the prisoners in the world. They yeah, because, I mean, I don't think we realize that. Like, this is modern-day slavery, and it's not just happening in this country. It is also happening, like, literally everywhere. Um, and that's why the world is the way it is right now, because money comes before people. Mm-hmm. And until we start treating people with kindness um, and respect, like, it will get a little bit better. But until then, like, really, like, Put some pressure because, you know, $41.6 million on Viagra, that's a lot of money. That That is a lot of money. Shipbuilding, $32.6 billion is how much they've spent on shipbuilding. The school lunch program is $28.7 billion. So this is why we have a prison system. Mm-hmm. This is what it's for. Mm-hmm. Free labor. Those school lunch trays. Definitely. My kid always says that he, he he said that school is prison. And, you know, that school to prison pipeline is a real thing, a very real thing. So, OK, for freedom. <sighs> yeah. Make sure Onward. you put some pressure on your on the state, especially now. Now is the time because election time is next year. So this time right now is when you need to put the pressure, let them know you don't like this, ask questions, mm-hmm. um, show up at the state house because you are welcome to be there yeah. and listen to what they're saying and make sure your voices are heard. So this is not right. You can go literally to the DOC's website, uh, it's doc.vermont.gov and you can see the financing and the budget. You can see even the individuals that are what they have to do to be housed out of state um, and all that good fun stuff. Yeah. So it's Aaron and Jen. And this is a Broken Vermont podcast. Peace. Peace. Peace.